all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 333 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Thelema Demon episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that in the philosophy of Thelema, which is its own weird religion uh, from the Greek and Western esotericism, symbolically, there is a number used to represent Choronzan, a demon of said philosophy of Thelema, and it is three, three, three. And with that very weird knowledge about a very weird philosophy, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California, we'd be our resident sunny employee. Tim, is the demon Cherizeron Three three three, the number of the trees are on, featured in one of our Sinbad flicks. I don't know, but I figured, you know, the chorizo bird or whatever it is, uh, the chorizo demon would be fun because we're dealing with weird esoteric stuff and weird demons. And of course, all of this esoteric, weird religious demon stuff happens in our Sinbad movies. So why not? I felt it was fitting. Totally. Yeah. Good call. Thanks. R.H. would be proud. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, so, how the hell are you, sir? I, I'm kind of sad that we only have three more Ray Harryhausen movies to review, and but kind of happy, because there are still six movies we did not review that we can maybe even touch on at a later date. This is true, but it, it, we also have more fun that we get to go into. We'll be going uh, from this series into our That's Entertainment series. So we kind of get to cover an even wider array of history of movies and stuff that I think will be a lot of fun to to get into and discuss. And then from there, we have the the finalization of the last Batman Standing series. And Blaine, of course, is going to jump in and help us with that. So we'll have time to come back and visit Ray Harryhausen. And it's good that we didn't do it all. It would have been exhaustive and maybe even exhausting. Let's just hope the Chorizo, the Chorizo Reno Burger bird <laughs> appears at some point in the near future. Well, then what do you say, sir? Shall we go ahead and jump right into it? Let's do it. Here we go, folks. It's the movie. This week's movies, again, the final uh, Harryhausen movies we're going to be covering. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad from 1958. The Golden Voyage of Sinbad from 1973. And Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger from 1977. And uh, as always, Tim, chronological order? Of course. Then let's start Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Journey to a Magical Time when demons and heroes battled for the golden treasures and human spoils of forgotten kingdoms. Kill. Kill him. Thrilled to the story of a legendary superhero who fights through all the torments of hell to save the woman he loves from the world's most powerful sorcerer. 
This is Sinbad's greatest adventure. The seventh voyage of Sinbad. She was once a beautiful princess. The sadistic magician shrinks her to the size of a tiny doll. And now, Sinbad must do the impossible to save her. He must destroy a legion of hell-spawned monsters on the death-shrouded island of Colossa. See the flashing death of the living skeleton. See the attack of the giant two-headed bird. See the dance of the cobra woman and feel her deadly slithering embrace. See the spectacular battle between the one-eyed cyclops and the fire-breathing dragon. The incredible magic of Dynarama recreates the enchanted, breathtaking adventure that could never be told before. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. All right, so directed here by Nathan H. Geron. It stars Karen Matthews, Torrin Thatcher, Catherine Grant, Richard Eyer, and Alec Mango. This, of course, is the first in the three Columbia pictures Sinbad movies. And while they do tend to uh, loosely stay in a kind of universe. They're not direct sequels per se. Uh, none of the, none of the cast of any of these returns in any similar role. Although we do have some kind of loose appearances by particular people later on in the series who have played smaller roles or other roles within the movies. Um, here we have, um, Kerwin, Ma- Kerwin Matthews, who is playing Sinbad the Sailor in this film, they are coming back from a long, uh, from a long voyage, and they have decided that um, <clears throat> they are going to go after this. Um, uh, well, Sinbad wants to get married. I guess we should remember that Sinbad's coming back to town because he wants to marry his woman. Uh, but basically a lamp gets lost along the way and they have to go and chase after this lamp. Um, and of course we have this, um, uh, we, we have this, uh, Sakura guy who is basically our, our, our bad guy, if you will. Um, and he wants the, he wants to take over and, and have the whole kingdom to himself. And so, of course, he has to get this magic lamp and yada, yada, yada. And he's got to stop Sinbad. He's got to stop the wedding. He's got a lot of things going on, but he's a pretty clever bad guy. And as we always say, or as I would say, shenanigans ensue. Now, for me, this is also one of those films that I enjoyed when I was a kid. Um, and, I will say that uh this is actually one of the movies that uh came in my set that I that I got from Tim for Christmas the year before last and we um uh and, and the girls got to watch this with us so that or with me so that was kind of fun and they were really into it too. Now, the one thing that I have to say that kind of holds this movie back is I mentioned back with Mysterious Island that the that the acting kind of took a step up. And while I was trying to be fair to the science fiction 
films of the day and kind of the style of filmmaking that went into it. With Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, I gotta say that it's, the acting is, is a little rough in this movie. And so it kind of hurts my enjoyment of it because it, it just, even now, even knowing how much I love everything from the kids, from being a kid and watching it with my family and everything, it just kind of breaks my enjoyment a bit. However, this is the first uh, use of the skeleton. Uh, we've got the great kind of minotaur, not minotaur, cyclops kind of creature it, very early on. We're seeing all these different wonderful aspects of really cool magic, like the serpent. The girl gets changed into the serpent and stuff like that. So you're really seeing... Harryhausen kind of stretches legs in the vein that would produce such great works like Mysterious Island and Jason of the Argonauts. And you're seeing all that work start here. And it really does increase the enjoyment factor of that for me. And it does have the nostalgia factor too. So I give this one a four out of five. Um, mainly, I think I could, I think I probably could have given it something higher had if if it really just wasn't the acting the acting's kind of it really is the acting's a little rough in this one um and despite but despite the acting being a little rough the adventure the story um the the pacing all of these things are really good cinematography is fantastic and ray harryhausen is on point with the special effects so you're gonna enjoy it all the way around but i do think you're gonna i, I think some people might have a little rougher time with dialogue and things like that. So four out of five for me. What do you got there, Tim? This film has holds a special place in my heart. I grew up watching The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, uh, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, and even Jason of the Argonauts. I grew up watching all those films with my grandfather, and I used to watch them religiously as a kid. It's been an absolute blast watching Seventh Voyage and The Golden Voyage, because I haven't seen either of these movies since I was 12-ish, 11-ish, definitely a preteen. So it's been almost 20 years from the opening of Seventh Voyage of both of these films. It just all started coming back to me. And I might be just a little bit biased with these two films. Granted, my rating for Seventh Voyage is pretty much identical. Actually, it's not pretty much. It is absolutely identical to your rating, Matthew. But I have a lot of great things to say about these films. Again, I grew up watching The Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Seventh Voyage with my grandfather. I think the character of Sinbad, very much like Indiana Jones, really appealed to my grandfather because my grandfather always wanted to be like Sinbad, in a way. Handsome, charming, a warrior, a lover. You know, in many ways, my grandfather saw himself as Sinbad. And in the case of the seventh voyage of Sinbad, that may very well be... They're both very white. You know, in fact... Everybody in this film speaks as if they are white, suburban, American, 1950s era husbands. <laughs> Columbia wanted to dub over all these actors. I mean, very much like Jason and the Argonauts, I'm pretty sure that is the case for this film. 
because it was definitely before Jason the Argonauts, and there is not really one ethnic accent in this film whatsoever. Maybe the magician cloaked in black had an accent. I can't really remember. I never... I don't think he does. This film, of course, is beautifully made. It is the very first Ray Harryhausen movie that was shot in color. So everything is bright, gorgeous, lush. You could almost taste and smell all the colors that are popping out of the screen. A lot of reds, a lot of blues, a lot of yellows. In fact, I wonder now just as much as I did when I was a kid, if Baghdad and all the other Middle Eastern cities at the time were as magical and colorful as how they were portrayed in the movies from the 1950s. Think of the Disney film Aladdin, the animated Disney film Aladdin, how colorful and happy and zippy everything was. I don't know, Matthew, you're the historian. Was Baghdad and other Middle Eastern cities at that time anything how they were portrayed in the movies? Well, I mean, Baghdad was actually a huge metropolis, uh, like two different times in in the last thousand years. And I want to say that Baghdad at one point was also, because just because geography of the earth and stuff like that, I want to say, if I remember from my classes that Baghdad was actually on a river at some point, too. It's not anymore. But, um, yeah, so you you would be surprised at just what kind of bustling metropolis you would have found in Baghdad back in back then. So, kind of, it's, I mean, it's, it's accurate enough to um, provide the genesis of the story elements that they were using. Sure. Interesting. A little Timmy's Dreams came true in his thoughts so thank you <laughs> Harryhausen had the idea to make seventh voyage of sinbad not long after mighty joe young he wanted to make a great adventure film and he felt that sinbad the character was the personification of adventure and he was also growing tired of seeing movies where these creatures were always referenced to but never seen by the audience so Harryhausen wrote a four to five page draft of this script. This is after 20 million miles to Earth and after the strange world of Planet X. He wrote a four to five page treatment and he created a bunch of sketches as he does, gave them to Charles Schneer, his producing partner, and Schneer sold the film to Columbia Pictures. Again, this is Harryhausen and Schneer's first film in color. And at the time, they didn't have a lot of film stock, colored film stock to choose from, you know, so they were very limited because there was only one kind of colored film stock. So they worked with what they got. When you look at the dynamation and how you have the actors in the foreground and the projection in the back, you'll start seeing a little bit of a coloring distortion, you know, especially with the small princess, because, again, different types of color film stock was not readily available then, only one kind. With this film, you start to see more special effects outside of the stop-motion effects. For instance, the shrunken princess. Harryhausen loved vast contrast, 
in shapes and sizes and creatures and, and, and in personalities. So he wanted to explore it more with his films, which is why he created The Shrunken Princess. I do wonder, though, about the bad guy, the magician. I can't remember his name. I did find it a little bit odd, Matt, I don't know if you agree or not, how nobody suspected, including the most skeptic out of the bunch, Sinbad, nobody did not suspect the magician, who has the clear motive and had publicly established that motive the night before, nobody suspected him of being the one behind the shrunken princess. I don't know if that actually even matters or not, since the princess seemed completely fine with being shrunken. It's not that they didn't suspect him so much as he was so busy doing so many different things that he was keeping them distracted from thinking about him. Anytime, I mean, if you think about it, anytime that he would, that, that Sinbad would have had time to think about what the hell was going on, they're having to face down another challenge or they're having to gear up to do something, right? Oh, well, we have to go find, oh, you're shrunk. What do we do? Oh, we have to go somewhere. All right, quick, let's get going. They don't have time to sit down and figure out who's doing it. They just have to, they just know, okay, we got to fix this now. And then as soon as they get on the island, he's up to something else. And they don't have time to figure out why they're having such bad luck right off. They do, I want to say, they do eventually figure it out about 40 minutes into the movie. Um, but every time that they would have a chance to breathe, something else goes wrong. And that's because, I said Kolos, but I don't think that's right. Hang on. Uh, Sakura is his name. And that's what, that's what it is. So, I mean, at least they, at least they had some good plot elements in terms of trying to keep that suspense going for them, which translates into suspense for the audience. So. Yeah, totally. And the movie does have some great character and plot elements. Uh, Torn Thatcher plays Sakura, the magician, and he definitely stood out. I very much enjoyed his performance. Campy, in all the right ways. The film does feature the original skeleton sword fight, which would impress so many people creatively in the studio and audiences that Harryhausen would add six more skeletons in Jason and the Argonauts. According to Harryhausen, it was difficult for him to construct the armature within this one skeleton. So he made the bones with latex and cotton. He built the bones on the armature to actually hide the armature. He did, in fact, use that same skeleton in Jason and the Argonauts. And believe it or not, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad did become a box office hit, as well as one of the more significant films of the time, given its influence on those like director Henry Selleck, who would go on to make the great stop-motion films Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. So this was not merely a significant film for me growing up, but it was significant for Henry Selleck, Tim Burton even. I know Tom Hanks and Peter Jackson's favorite Harryhausen film is Jason and the Argonauts. I know on the Blu-ray of Jason and the Argonauts, because uh, I was wanting to buy the Blu-ray, and then I realized, oh, it's out of stock. They only made 3,000 copies of it, so they're super expensive now. But apparently, Peter Jackson has a great commentary that is worth 
checking out. This is a wonderful film. Again, I grew up watching The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, so it holds a special place in my heart. But it's also a little bit dated in its storytelling, especially when you compare this to Jason the Argonauts, The Mysterious Island, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, and of course, Clash of the Titans. So I am giving this film a 4 out of 5. Still very, very good. Nice, nice. All right, then we shall move forward to 1973's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Ahoy there, look up! You have brought bad luck on us all. Captain, cast it over the side. It's evil. I feel it. You are Captain Sinbad. A sign, a riddle, and it is said that the riddle will begin to be unraveled when this and the one about your neck are placed before a great eminence who dwells in a temple of many faces. The key to a great and mighty secret. What secret? What is to be revealed? Power. Absolute power. The girl. That girl? A worthless slave. What is your name? Mariana. That mark? How did you get it? I don't know. I've had it since I was a child. Two tablets brought forth to the light, yet a third remains from sight. Destiny is a place where both good and evil wait at the end of their See the sorcerer of the black arts, the gold helmet faceless vizier, the death fight of the centaur on the griffin, the six-armed goddess of evil, the flying homunculus, the savage siren on a rampage, the duel with the vanishing sorcerer. <laughs> one-eyed centaur the oracle of all knowledge the fountain of destiny all right this time we are directed by gordon hessler stars uh, john philip law tom baker that's right folks you heard right tom baker fourth doctor Tom Baker, uh, uh, Takis Emmanuel, Caroline Monroe, Douglas Wilmer, Martin Shaw. Uh, this time we have John Philip Law as Sinbad, our protagonist. And Sinbad is given this golden tablet. We start off with Sinbad getting this golden tablet, which of course for him is like an amulet. Uh, and he is tasked with trying to figure out what this amulet is, is about. Uh, in some kind of roundabout ways there, uh, due to a prince, Prince Kura, who's played by Tom Baker, and this other fantasiful woman, uh, Mar Margiana, who's played by Carolyn Monroe. Now remember, uh, for those of you who may not understand or are just following along from trailer action, what have you, he's had a vision of both of these people. And it's this vision that kind of drives him through the story. 
But we have a grand vizier uh, as well who's been who, who wears this golden mask and he's all like severely burned and disfigured and stuff underneath it. Uh, and of course, shenanigans ensue as he uses this amulet slash tablet and it kind of leads him on an adventure where ultimately there's some kind of cool treasure that they have to get. Um, so this is probably of the Sinbad movies themselves. I felt that this is my favorite. I really enjoyed kind of the updated spectacle of it all. I think that the acting is probably the best in all three of the movies and that we're covering for this one. And I really think that you can see where um, Ray Harryhausen is in his special effects. I mean, he's really got it down to a science at this point. We have uh, some really cool stuff happening here. I mean, like every, there's just so many different aspects to the kinds of stuff that Harry Hosen is doing. Uh, you have a wooden figurehead that comes to life, right? Uh, you've got centaurs. You've got um, the, 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 the Kali doll, idol doll, right? Six arms, six swords going after it and stuff like that. You've got uh, an invisible, um, uh, you've got an invisible sword fight kind of a thing. And so all of these cool things that we've seen, and especially if you're coming off of the Sinbad movie, the previous Sinbad movie, all the stuff that you've seen has everything is, is kind of grown and twisted and been turned into something even cooler. And so I really, really like this one. It's not as strong as, say, Jason and the Argonauts, but I think that's just because of the 70s style of filmmaking that we're seeing. It's just such a radical change from what we saw 10 years ago in terms of the fantasy setting and storytelling. But the special effects themselves are really, really cool. Uh, Also, Tom Baker is a fantastic bad guy. 100%. Yeah, he's a fantastic bad guy. With an accent. Yes, and the best part of it is it's because of this performance that he landed the Doctor Who role. So really? That's, yes, the, wow. the producer of Doctor Who saw this film and was like, based on the strength of this performance alone, was like, man, he could actually do this. He could pull this off. And that, that's how he ended up getting the Doctor Who gig. Wow. So I just think that for me, this, the 70s sensibilities of filmmaking weren't quite... As strong. Uh, so I give this one a 4.5 out of 5. But this is definitely, even though it's, for me, not the pinnacle like Jason and the Argonauts, this is definitely the best that I think we're going to see of the Sinbad movies. And yeah, that's all I have to say. Definitely, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to uh, kind of hedge you off here at the pass. The six-armed Kali fight, hands down my favorite favorite scene of the whole movie. So I don't know how you felt about it, but just something about that idol coming to life. It was kind of like after 
the figurehead comes to life, it's kind of like boss mode of the figurehead. <laughs> so you went from the wooden figurehead to the six-armed Kali Idol. So anyways, uh, 4.5 out of 5 for me. What do you got there, Tim? Well, the figurehead is just damn creepy. You know, it's part of the ship and it comes out and, you know, it's just bizarre. It's just wonderful. I love the atmosphere that figurehead creates, you know, within that scene. And not just the figurehead, but the whole setting nighttime on a boat and the last thing you want to encounter is a part of your ship attacking you and also the kali the hindu goddess with the six arms you know attacking them what i thought was pretty interesting in the making of that is in order for the actors because for jason and the argonauts one thing that we uh well i didn't get to really mention in order for the actors to rehearse Stuntmen had to play the part of the seven skeletons until the actors memorized the movements of their sword fight. The stuntmen would be there. Well, when the actors remembered their moves, the stuntmen would go off camera and the actors would have to shadow box, you know, and then later on, Harry Housen would add in the skeletons and it will look like they're actually fighting the skeletons. <laughs> they had to do that same type of thing with Kali, the Hindu goddess with six arms. So in order for the actors to rehearse against six arms, wielding swords, three stuntmen actually had to be strapped together with a large belt. And According to Ray Harryhausen, it was an absolutely frightening and uncomfortable day on set. And I'm pretty sure he's talking about the onlookers being uncomfortable, as well as the stuntmen having to be strapped to one another, probably all day sweating on one another. But before the golden age of Sinbad, Harryhausen made... First Men in the Moon, 1964, One Million Years B.C., 1966, which was his Raquel Welch dinosaur extravaganza, and then The Valley of Guanji in 1969. He did all those films but before continuing his trilogy of Sinbad films with, of course, The Golden Age of Sinbad, and all those films were in between Golden Age and Jason and the Argonauts. This is my favorite of all three Sinbad movies. And this is the Sinbad movie I remember the most fondly. The adventure is amazing. The performances are great. Everybody has an accent, so it's wonderful. <laughs> the special effects are just stunning. I mean, the actors, how they interact with the special effects. And again, not only the stop motion effects, but like the animation effects outside of the stop motion effects. Absolutely, I don't want to say seamless because it, it's obviously a little bit dated so you can tell, you know, what's going on. But it's just smooth. And the film itself feels modern. Very much into the Indiana Jones era of adventure flicks. Not quite as perfect as Indiana Jones, but compared to all the other Ray Harryhausen films, and again, what kind of films these were, it's a fun story. There's so many memorable elements to it, like the golden medallion and the nautical shadow map that it casts. But like the characters, the golden mask helmet guy, you know, with the deformed face, with the burnt face, again, 
for the past 20 some odd years, 25 years that I've been watching this movie, it's been ingrained in my mind. You know, all the different facts. I just had no idea Tom Baker was in this movie. <laughs> Which, I mean, of course, later on, once I started learning more about Doctor Who and the old Doctor Who's, you know, I looked back at their filmography, but I just it just never clicked that he was the bad guy. But the last thing I'm going to mention... The Golden Age of Sinbad is a perfect example of how Ray Harryhausen's performance doesn't upstage any of the other performances or even the non-stop motion effects, which makes this film a great accomplishment. And what I mean by that is that Ray Harryhausen's performance is something very unique, especially with 20 Million Miles to Earth, especially with Earth versus the Flying Saucers, you can feel his performance and his performance is better than everything else about those movies for the most part, especially the actor's performances. Well, with the golden age of Sinbad, very much like Jason, the Argonauts, the playing field is level. Everybody is equal. This is a solid as a rock of a movie <laughs> as they come. And I couldn't, love this movie anymore. I give it a five out of five. To me, John Philip Law, who plays Sinbad, is the ultimate Sinbad. And I've not seen another Sinbad out there, especially Douglas Fairbanks Jr. <laughs> no other person can live up to his Sinbad. And a lot of that has to do with his accent. Five out of five for me. Very cool. And I absolutely agree with you about John Philip Law being the eponymous Sinbad. Uh, yeah, so that leaves us with 1977's Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. These eyes peer out through time, through space, to a land beyond imagination. These are the eyes of the tiger. Follow their gaze back. Back to where legends first began, where fantasy is real and the land of the lost is rediscovered. Journey across the oceans of antiquity to the northern edge of the ancient world. As Sinbad battles with both human... From the depths of the earth, I command you, arise! ...and supernatural evil... Destroy them! Kill Sinbad! Filmed in the miracle of Dinorama, starring Patrick Wayne, Taryn Power, Jane Seymour. From producers Charles H. Schneer and Ray Harryhausen, come face to face with the prehistoric Trog. See the sorceress bring life to the all-powerful Minotaur. Eat with the power as only I command you. See Sinbad battle the saber-toothed tiger, guardian of the secret shrine. Join Sinbad, the greatest of all adventurers, in his biggest adventure of all. First came the seventh voyage, then the golden voyage, and now the legendary Sinbad faces all the forces of darkness. The sword-wielding ghouls, Mammoth Minotaur, the gargantuan troglodyte. In the ultimate dinorama spectacle, Sinbad's wildest adventure, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Rated G. Starts Wednesday at theaters everywhere. Check your paper for theater or drive-in near you. All right. 
1977 movie is directed by Sam Wanamaker. It is star. It stars Patrick Wayne. Uh, yes, the Patrick Wayne, son of John Wayne, as uh, Sinbad. We have Taryn Power, Margaret Whiting, Jane Seymour, and Patrick Troughton in this film. All right, the story of this one, I think, okay, the story in and of itself, the, the story in a nutshell, Sinbad's going on a different kind of a journey this time. Uh, we actually have a, a bad wizardess, priestess, prophet, I don't know, uh, is our bad woman this time. So that was kind of a nice fun twist on it. And I think the, the story elements themselves are a lot of fun. Probably, the best story elements in the trilogy. Unfortunately, this movie has two, two horrible things happening for it. Number one, and most importantly, this movie had the ill fortune of coming out about three weeks? No, two weeks? Two weeks after Star Wars. You just can't go from Star Wars to Ray Harryhausen. There's... It's it's not fair, it's not right, it's completely different kinds of special effects, it's a completely different kind of movie, um, but unfortunately, it changed everything. So you can't, so it's kind of hard to go back once you've seen that. So you have that working against it, and the second thing that you have working against it is really, really bad acting. <laughs> Um, combined with, honestly, not, not Harryhausen's best work. It's good work. It, it is. It's good work, but it's starting, you, you really are starting to see the age of Harryhausen's style. And with the mind blow, mind bending, mind blowing work that, again, of Star Wars, it just brings that to the fore even more. Now, that being said, that does not make this movie terrible, but it does make it, it does make its flaws more glaring. And it is, despite being well received during its day, um, in, in terms of, mixed to okayish reviews and the film making um a, a relatively decent sum probably the best thing that came out of the film is the i guess it's Kasim that turns into the rabbit or not rabbit baboon yes yeah the the prince the yeah the the prince Kasim turns into the baboon uh that animation is freaking awesome i mean it it is freaking awesome i was looking at some production notes and there were quite a number of people who watched this movie back then and they thought that it was a real baboon so there are some aspects to the film that are really cool i also think that it's important to note that i think harryhausen had some problems here because Ray Harryhausen wanted to get back to some like more dinosaur-esque action a la Mysterious Planet and was not really ever able to do that. He wanted to get away from the mythological. And I think the fact that he couldn't, I, I, I'm sure Tim will be able to fill this gap in. I don't know if it was more budgetary or just the what, what the director ultimately wanted and what have you. 
I think that kind of shows in the some of the lackluster nature of the special effects overall. Um, but there are there are some issues with it. It's just again starting to show its age. But the story elements themselves are really cool. And and again, I mean, I don't mean to dump it all on Patrick Wayne's lap. He did a good job with what he had to work with. I just think that that. But even still, acting is kind of wonky. Special effects aren't as good, but the story elements are really neat, and that baboon is awesome. So I close out Sinbad here with a 3.5 out of 5. It is my least favorite of the Sinbads, but it's still decent in the Ray Harryhausen canon. Bring us home there, Tim. What do you got? Just too bad John Philip Law couldn't return as Sinbad. I mean, Patrick Wayne, for one thing, he looks like a freaking BG, but he is just way too American and he doesn't even have a hint of an accent. I'm sure he's a cool guy, <laughs> but totally miscast. And the story for this film really isn't very good. You know, Sinbad wants to marry the princess Jane Seymour, but can't until he gets approval from princess Jane Seymour's brother, who happened to have been turned into a chess playing monkey Therefore, Sinbad and Princess Jane Seymour must go on an adventure to find a cure. Just so they can get married. That's no fun. The other movie had a gold medallion and a fountain with blood. (laughs) The movie before that had some other cool stuff in it, too. It wasn't all about love and marriage. And this movie had to compete with Star Wars. No wonder Star Wars won, you know? And I also didn't understand, like, with all three movies, there had to be a mysterious person shrouded in black, using their eyes for evil purposes. How they use their eyes, the camera zooms in and they kind of blink. It's just short of Samantha from Bewitched blinking. And even Harryhausen's first creatures, you know, that appear in the film, the the demonites, the demonoids or whatever they were, are very underwhelming and... Believe it or not, there's just very little character to them. I mean, a good thing I can say about some of the effects is that the miniature effect used in this film is much better than in the 1950s Sinbad. The credits were even growing tired of the film because the credits began before the film actually ended. (laughs) I mean, this is the longer of the three movies for some reason. It clocks in over an hour and 50 minutes. It easily, I think if the movie was trimmed down 15 minutes, make it a little bit tighter, maybe the adventure aspect would have been enough to keep this film going. There was a little bit more stupidity in some of the characters than I care for. Like the, the guy, that the old guy in gray, I forget who he was, but he kept making so many stupid decisions. And this was just so, like, the bad guy could get away after being capturing. This old man had to be dumb and succumb to her evil powers and and, and let her go. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And overall, it's just not a very intelligent script. Especially when you compare it to the previous Sinbad and even Jason and the Argonauts. I mean, as a whole, it just feels very uninspired. But the film does get better when set pieces are introduced, like the whole interior of the ship scene uh, when 
when the when the when the the witch or whatever is shrunken and she's trying to figure out their plans i really liked it really adds drama when you find out prince kaleem he's turning more and more into a baboon the longer he is a baboon so there is that sense of urgency to get him better but one of my favorite aspects of the film is the saber tooth and i could very much imagine how difficult this saber-toothed tiger was to create because like felines you know at real felines they're very slow moving you know and this particular saber-tooth is slow moving in its posture if harryhausen touched the fur accidentally while moving the model even if he brushed the hair the wrong way and you know up instead of down it would be very apparent to the camera but that never happened. It's an incredibly well-done effect. You know, and again, this is one of the many examples of what makes Harryhausen a master of his craft. Because of his mastery, I think this is still an important movie to watch. But it's by no means a great movie when you compare it to his other flicks. And... Unfortunately, I am giving it a 2.5 out of 5, even though it does have some very interesting moments. And I did find myself wrapped up in things a little bit when it hit the final act. But again, if the movie was 15 minutes shorter, things would have been tighter, and easily I would have liked this movie more. 2.5 out of 5 for me. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our movies and the end of our Ray Harryhausen retrospective. Next week, we're going to be moving into our That's Entertainment series. So we'll be starting with 1974's That's Entertainment, and we look forward to doing that with you. So I think we're, we're, we're down to the spiel, are we not, sir? Spiel on. Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck a rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. It's a cutting thing. Say, 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 Chomp the one to help, chomp don't get the kill. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at NetTwit12345. You can, of course, come aboard the Information Superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and our favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old SoundCloud and other podcast directories. If you'd like to support the show please head on over to patreon.com and check us out over there and so until next week this is matt saying that thanks to patrick wayne i get to say this i don't think i'll ever be any more than a personality but that's all right with me take care cinephiles and we'll talk at you again next week madam perhaps we should be going oh there we are, monsieur
Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening.